Hey, this is Rob, and this is episode 69 of the Poly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. All right. So I'm here with Josh and Matthew, and I promise I'll only get that wrong a couple of times here. <laughs> Format of this episode is going to be a little different already. We have two people, and we've only done that once before. Worked out pretty nicely with the Northern Coffee Works guys. Uh, but this is different because Josh reached out to me uh, via email and said, I am a student. We've got a business idea. I uh, would love to pick your brain about it. And I said, that sounds good. Why don't we record it and make it into a podcast episode? Anything coffee related at this point? I don't know how I feel about it. I feel <laughs> a little phony that I want to record everything. Not like having a really good conversation in the back of my head. I'm going like, this is great content. This is great content right here. Uh, but no, this will be pretty cool because you've got a business idea. We've discussed it very briefly. I kind of wanted to keep it that way so that as we're discussing now, uh, it can be very honest conversation. And so I want to start by just saying, Take everything I say with a grain of salt. <laughs> Will do. Everything I everything I've done with Folly or Filter on the cold brew side is completely made up, and I come from a beer back. I come from a beer background, so everything I say, take with a grain of salt. I am not the final word by any means. I love. I'm very passionate about what I say. That doesn't that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. Yeah. Um, so I just want to say that to start off with. Uh, but yeah, let's have a very open and honest conversation. Why don't you tell me about like. Your idea, we'll go back to where it came from, and then we'll just continue from there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm Josh. I've been in the coffee industry for about 10 years. My parents own a coffee shop in Madison, Wisconsin. So I've just always had this passion for coffee. And Matthew and I were both entrepreneurs, came into the University of Minnesota, just passionate for creating something that would like provide people an experience where they'd have fun and that we could just live our lives doing what we love mm -hmm. um and it looks like that's what you do rob at folly i've been to your tour in the last couple of weeks and just saw that incredible and dramatic presentation of how you came to be the process the coffee goes through and just thought man that's a guy who's doing what he loves and is like is after his passions um but yeah, I'll let Matthew introduce himself a little as well. Yeah, uh, my name is Matthew. I'm, I'm a classmate of Josh's, and we actually live together. Um, so we were in, yeah, the entrepreneurship class that we're in. It's actually kind of like our capstone project. So what happens is you apply for the for the class, and once you're in the class, each group is given $15,000 of funding to go out and just build a business. Um, so the first couple months of that process was kind of us figuring out okay, what kind of business do we want to build? Is this viable? Building groups, building teams. And yeah, Josh was kind of saying, like, we both want to do something we're, we're passionate about. And for me, it's it's really funny because I didn't have, like, any background in coffee, like, absolutely none. Um, I didn't even drink coffee, really. <laughs> and what was exciting for me was creating an experience that people are drawn to and excited to tell others about. And so what we were both kind of, like, spitballing ideas, trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And we kind of landed on doing this single origin espresso experience that we'll tell you a little bit more about later. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like a little bit about like how or like what situation we're in and the context that we're working within. So we this semester and the next semester, we'll be building uh, a business essentially um, and just trying to see where that goes. And this is kind of the idea that we have is to build like a single origin espresso experience. Yeah. 
Very cool. Yeah. Uh, two things I like already is uh, the fact that you're here, the fact that you reached out. Uh, Barnaby, who's been a podcast episode on the past, you've spoken with him already. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's already a really good first step is going out and talking to as many people as possible. It's something that I did for well over a year. Mm-hmm. And when I moved back to start, it was every day, two or three people, anybody I could get with me that I'd possibly any experience. Yeah. So that's that's really an awesome thing to be doing. I still do it to this day. That's why yeah. I started this podcast. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. That's why I continue the podcast really it's like this selfish it's, it started to educate about coffee and kind of selfishly turned out a really cool way to hey, meet people and free consulting <laughs> right <laughs> right um and then on the other side uh i this i can already tell you the the entrepreneurial type with the the way that you hinted <laughs> the way you hinted we have this business idea without imme- immediately going into it the, the classic sales technique i want to build some anticipation up front without telling you about it you're going to make me ask about it. I like that. Yeah, so tell me about, so the single, all I know about it at this point is that it is a single origin espresso business based on the idea of the growing excitement behind single origin espresso. And uh, just, there's probably not many people listening to a coffee podcast that don't know single origin espresso, but the term single origin refers to uh, that the coffee comes from a single farm or region. There's some flexibility with people use that term. We tend to do it same farm or collective of farms, depending on that. Uh, and then obviously espresso is where it starts to get interesting. And I'm not even going to label that too much because that I kind of want to talk about that more as we begin to discuss your business idea, because there's a ton of confusion behind espresso yep. and exactly what is it. And, oh, I love drinking a good cup of espresso beans because they're so much stronger. And I just like, I go, okay, where can we start here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Either one of you, go ahead and tell me the start of just like, obviously coffee background probably mm-hmm. influenced your decision to want to go into that. Yep. But how did you ultimately decide out of everything there is within coffee and experience, uh, experiences behind coffee that single origin espresso is what you want to focus on? Yeah. So I'm just laying on the couch of our crappy house in Dinky Town <laughs> in Minneapolis. And we're just like, we need to have an idea in the next four hours because we're meeting with our professor and we have nothing right now. Um, so... I'm just looking through coffee trends. Cause I'm like, I'm passionate about coffee. That'd be cool if we could start something in coffee. Um, not sure if there's any space or opportunity there, but let's just like go through these trends. So I'm looking at the SEA 2020, 2019 trends. And I am continually seeing espresso beverages. Consumptions are increasing. People um, at the ages of 18 to 24 are consuming 40% more coffee, um, lattes, Americano, straight espressos going up. The consumption of black coffee is increasing. I'm like, hey, I've been to a coffee shop on the West Coast that does only pour overs. I'm like, that was awesome. I got to pick like what type of bean I wanted to drink. And they made that cup specifically for me. I was like, what if we could do something like that before espresso? Is there like a market for that? It seems like it's rising. It seems like there's trends in this direction. Like, what can we do with this? So we are like, I'm bringing this idea to my professor what if we create like a coffee shop kind of but they can choose like what espresso they want i was pretty naive didn't know much about espresso to begin with i was more like the business side of a coffee shop working with my parents like most of my life um the more we looked into it we're like we're just gonna dive in we're gonna talk to as many experts that we can get our hands on so matthew and i just started reaching out to people we reached out to you rob barnaby joe morocco um, a lot of the guests you've had on your podcast and we're like, we just need to learn as much as we can about this. So the more we're learning, the more we're like creating what we want our 
business to be. And that is we want to cr- provide a interactive and intimate educational experience, tasting experience that focuses specifically on single origin espresso. So there's single origin coffees, um, a lot of cupping classes, pour over classes that people are loving right now. And that's kind of been a wave that we've been riding um, lately. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I was thinking, what if we could do something with espresso? I've never been to, or if even seen anything where it's like, hey, come come to this class and try this new single origin espresso from Ethiopia. And let's talk about the tasting notes. Let's talk about um, what we get out of it, how fragile it is when you're dialing it in. So we want to create something where we have an educated barista leading a group of about eight people through a tasting process. So we want to highlight specifically two bags of beans from two different origins origins um in two different processes um and throughout this experience where we'd be taking our group of eight um on this ride with us talking about okay what are we tasting here what is this what does wash process mean what does natural process mean honey process what makes it special that only comes from this one origin who grew this coffee who are the farmers like the farmers like that's this is their lifeblood their passion like what are we doing with it now? Like, I don't, I'm not gonna, I don't want to just grab all these coffees from everywhere. I want to like focus in on the story of the farmer and who they are and um, what they're doing and be able to communicate that to the guests that we have. So yeah, we're on this path of creating that experience. We've done some um, MVPs, to test the concept and we had Barnaby Holmes minimum viable product yep yeah. the minimum viable product we had Barnaby Holmes as our barista and he walked a group of about five of it. us <laughs> yeah Excellent he's guy. insane <laughs> <Yes>. so <laughs> as we learned about this we learned he was the first person to educate me as a barista really <laughs> yeah. wow, wow. <laughs> yeah and we we just learned that espresso is fragile like we mess up the dialing process like you're going to taste something that might might not be pleasurable <laughs> and that this is going to take some like real skill to really dial this in but if we get it right and people taste something amazing from the first time you can just see it on their faces and it's like wow like i've never had something i've never had a cup of espresso or coffee that tasted like like this and we can highlight those funky fun flavors that these different origins can bring um, so that's what we are basically trying to do. Cool. So is this, so the MVP, was it a pop-up or how, how did you decide what is the minimum viable product of this concept? Yeah. Um, Matthew, you want to speak a little bit? Yeah. So that? for the MVP, we just tried to, we wanted to figure out, um, we need to test a lot of assumptions. Number one, would people enjoy uh, the experience? Would people um what specifically about the experience do they like and are they engaged in? Is it education? Is it tasting? Um, obviously, is this something that you would pay for? And we gathered um, kind of a pretty large spectrum of people who um, were experiencing coffee. So some people have been had like don't drink any coffee really. We had some people who love coffee and drink it regularly. We had some people who. Um, consider themselves to be like coffee snobs and love to go to tastings regularly. And so we had five people um, and then Barney was our, our barista and we had, it was basically what we were expecting to happen. So we had two bags of beans and then each of those beans was, um, 
was brewed or not brewed. Most of those beans had two different weights that we used. So 17 grams, and then 18 grams. And then after pulling the shots and giving them the espresso, it was like, what did you taste? And what, um, what do you think is different about this? And so Barnaby kind of gave them the education as to what happens uh, with the beans and the elevation. And um, it was like super engaging. Everyone really enjoyed it. And our goal with that was kind of to see what can we, um, what can we improve on? What do people like right now? What do we, what can we change? Um, Because what's really interesting is one of the things that like we found from that, because we had such a large spectrum of people, um, on one side, it was like, oh, I wish we had more tastings. Difficult. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We, I wish we had more tasting and like a little bit less education um, versus someone on the complete opposite end who had just started coffee um, was saying that they really enjoyed the education. They like are going to start thinking about coffee a lot more and they like really enjoyed the experience. And so we're trying to figure out and kind of refine what kind of experience specifically do we want? Are we catering it towards... Um, the early consumer that's curious or a very experienced consumer who's l- actively seeking out these crazy flavors and these crazy like beans that aren't really found anywhere else in the, in the Minneapolis area. Um, which So that we're trying to figure out almost like what sets us apart and like what would differentiate us. Mm-hmm. So that's actually one of the major problems that we're trying to look for and figure out for a business. So the espressos that you're serving or built into the business plan, is it going to be a rotating roaster program where you're featuring different espressos from different roasters? Or is it going to be every single experiential day is the same roaster roasting different varieties? How do you plan on or or roasting your own? Is that in the future? How are you looking at the espressos that you're using? Because one thing just right off the bat is when you're looking at like the scientific method, uh, you want to manipulate as few variables as possible when trying to identify the differences between something. So when I'm looking at something like espresso, mm-hmm. like when it gets to Jeff, he's obviously, who's our head roaster, uh, obviously he's identifying the same coffee and the only thing he's evaluating for it across different batches is are there differences in taste? And if so, is it better or worse? And so he's evaluating one thing when he's evaluating right. the quality of our coffees. However, when he has a new batch of samples, he needs to evaluate does each bean work. And so he roasts each of them exactly the same on a sample roaster. So he is identifying the different flavor components of this. With something like espresso, you have a lot, a lot, a lot of different factors going into it. Mm-hmm. So how do you approach that in terms of which espresso beans you're going to use for each kind of individual experience? Yeah. So right now we're still trying to refine what route we want to take. We've identified a few routes of maybe highlighting um, local roasters where they have the information of their coffee of the farmer and we highlight their beans and partner with them to kind of educate their consumer and to just really zone in on like what makes their bean special and what brings out the flavor the hard thing about that is you're saying like it takes a very skilled highly skilled barista to be able to know what's right when they're dialing in the espresso and um, how they should really tweak it so it tastes like what the roaster is really aiming for. Um, So another route we're going down is Matthew has some connections with some Asian source um, farmers where we could source from. So right now we're trying to figure out, do we want to partner with a local Minneapolis um, roastery to get our own 
beans in, partner with a roaster, and roast our own coffees for these events, and then maybe sell beans afterwards and bring in some really unique um, coffees from maybe China or Thailand, um, Myanmar, wherever it may be. Yeah, and obviously I have some very extreme biases because we are wholesale roasters, so I have very uh, very strong opinions about like own roasting programs versus using a roaster. Mm-hmm. Some of the challenges I think you would face up front in sourcing your own coffees is there's a certain volume minimum where you're going to get really great roasters with a lot of experience that have their own program to be able to roast coffees just for this. Yeah. Uh, because asking a roaster to do five, 10 pounds is prop not likely to happen up front right. uh, if it's groups of eight. And then you're also limited in the time window that you can have espresso tastings because right. you know not everybody's extreme coffee nerd like myself where I'd go to a tasting and spit all of it out if it was in the afternoon, if I wanted to sleep that night. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of view it and I'm curious your opinion on this is I think there's a few different ways you could possibly approach that of people trying to evaluate differences in flavor because you're doing single origin espresso. It doesn't have to be an espresso offering from a roaster. So you don't have to go to this roaster and get their espresso and this one and that one. Most roasters are offering at least four to five different offerings. Mm -hmm. And so you could go to one roaster and say, hey, we're doing single origin espresso. We want to use three or four of your origins. And I'll get back to why I say three or four instead of just two in a second. But we want to contrast across the board these four different espressos. And then you go to the barista and you just find a skilled barista and say, make each one of these taste the best. Mm -hmm. There's another complicated issue is now if you have a different dial in for these four espressos and you have a two group head, three group head, one group yep. head. Yep. That's another variable you have to consider mm-hmm. is that if you're pulling them out of the same group heads, they, unless it's a fully manual machine in which you need a really skilled barista, which is obviously probably a big part of this, mm-hmm. you probably need a fully manual machine so that you can time out each individual shot differently. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different factors going into it, but the goal in my mind is like, how can we eliminate as many factors as possible that I might be comparing? Cause if I went and you had four different roasters, yeah. I would in the back of my head probably be going, who did this the best? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if you have the same roaster, mm-hmm. you have the same roasting philosophy behind right. each of the single origin yep. coffees. And then there's one factor gone. And then if you have the barista and say, Hey, dial this to one setting or dial this each individual one to which you right. think tastes best. Then that kind of dial in procedure is taken care of. This is this barista's preference on this espresso. And then the last thing they're really identifying is the differences between the origins, which is the ultimate goal, yeah. I think, of what you're doing. Because um, this is an interesting concept in the sense that I would definitely go to this 100%. Like, huge coffee nerd, obviously going to go. And I would probably go every time you switch roasters because there is no opportunity out there. And this is half the reason we opened the tasting room was there's no opportunity to go out there and taste multiple different things in a row unless you're me or Jeff and we'll go to a cafe and drop $60 so we can try your pour over, your espresso, your single origin espresso, your cold brew. Yep. And that's why I think two might be limiting. Yeah. Um, Obviously there's logistics of pulling shots and doing it in a timely fashion, but limiting it to just two doesn't separate you from any great specialty cafe that already has an espresso offering and probably a secondary espresso offering. So if there's a potential way that I always think of what makes a business concept the most different and what's Mm -hmm. the most different at this point is the fact that you are, did I ever press record on this thing? I don't think it did. And what makes your business concept the most different is that you have a chance to taste multiple espressos side by side. Right. And so you want to make sure like to lean into those differences as hard as possible, which sometimes is much easier said than done. 
let me hit record on this so there we go like i said not many people watching on youtube so i'm not too stressing about it as long as the audio is going by the way we're available on youtube uh anyway you want to lean into those differences uh and so if you can logistically find a way to make more than two types of espresso even if you can just get to three Mm -hmm. that's something i can't really go to any cafe and find yeah um so that and the, the other part about using a roaster and the coffees that they already sell is yeah, yeah. how do you plan to, so I'm going to come back to this point of why should you probably only use one roaster at a time is how do you plan to promote it and market it and get the word out there yep yeah right now we are our initial thought process is going down that route of partnering with roasters and using those roasters to really help us in the marketing initiative. Um, one thing Barnaby is telling us, like, hey, in the next decade, coffee is going to be so much more expensive than it is now. And customers need to know why they should come to a Folly or a Northern Coffee Works and pay the 5 $6 for a cup of coffee instead of going down the street to Starbucks or Caribou and paying two bucks. So kind of what we'd be doing is helping a roaster in that process of really educating their customer and saying like, this is quality coffee. This is why. And this is like, can you notice the taste? Let's walk it through. Like, let's walk through this together. Like what's the spectrum of what you're tasting? Like, how does this compare to the other coffees you've tasted before? How does it compare side by side? Like you're saying, um, so, yeah, we plan on just marketing like that. We're an interactive and educational experience. We also have relationships with, I don't know if you've talked to Shelby. Yeah. Um, we've met with her at the Minnesota Coffee Collective. And she is, Brandon's my business partner at Filterra. That's his girlfriend. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, wow, that's crazy. Hey, Small we're, world. If they're a coffee person, I've probably forced them to meet me at some point. <laughs> but that one I happen to have a really direct connection to. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, like coffee's super relational and like that's what we're finding out in this yeah. like this process is like hey, if we just meet the right person, they're going to open doors that we couldn't even thought of. Yeah, um, because the the difficulty is if you had multiple different roasters and you approach me like, "Hey, will you promote that we're doing yep. this?" I go like, "Of course, cuz I want to be nice and I also my view on <laughs> my view on competition is very very different than most." Right. Yeah. Yep. I promote other people even if we're not involved at all because i think that if everybody starts drinking better coffee it's going to be good for everyone that the biggest population of coffee drinkers that is the opportunity is not the people currently drinking great coffee it's the ones that have never had it yeah so i would be very apt to promote it but there's a lot of people that if there's another brand attached to it i'm not promoting it because that doesn't strengthen only my brand right yeah and so if you had one roaster Mm -hmm. that's basically like someone running like a a professional tasting of just your coffee and so you'd be able to utilize like email black because the different forms of marketing is like instagram to me is like solid i think it's pretty dang good absolutely but the email list is really we're finally recording on that thing. <laughs> but the email list is like what I'm learning that is probably the most valuable, but it's also people are like very protective of using mm-hmm. it because yep. customers hate getting blasted with unnecessary emails. Yep. Yep. But this is the type of thing that I would want to tell my customers about. You have a chance to come here and taste right. four, three, four, five different yeah. Folly coffees as mm-hmm. espresso. Yeah. And then that's kind of the last component is like the education of espresso itself is it's valuable for a roaster to be yeah. like this all of our coffees can be espresso. That yeah. alone right yeah. there is a mm-hmm. cool educational piece. Yeah. So let's get into how did you decide two espressos and how did you decide groups of eight and how strongly tied to you is it being a guided tasting? Yeah. So 
I'll start with your first question. The reason we chose two espressos and why we tested that for MVP is Barnaby invited us over to Intermix Beverages for like a personal kind of training. He basically gave us our MVP, but like only to us. And it was so cool. Like just standing behind his espresso machine, watching him pull these shots and like the mastery he has, just engaging us the whole time. Matthew and I were just like on cloud nine going through that with him. We're like, Barnaby is why I love him and hate him. He's technically a direct competitor of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's the coolest guy we've ever met. Like this is nuts. (laughs) And in going through that, he had a couple coffees and like Matthew saying earlier, he pulled the first um, shot at 18 grams of coffee and then put it through. We tasted it. We kind of walked through the acidity, the sweetness, the bitterness, then the flavors you're getting out of it. And he's like, all right, I think if we take it down to 17 grams, it would like bring up the sweetness, lower the acidity, and kind of make that um, the scale a little bit more balanced. Mm-hmm. And so it was this, him guiding you through this, that kind of turned the light bulb on, but this should probably be a guided experience yeah. of how yep. we do it. Yep. Yeah, because like both Matthew and I, we had no idea like the the balance we that we were looking for and like the flavor that that brought and yeah. like the pleasure and like the education that it brought us and working through it with him. He, it wasn't like, uh, this is information you need to know. It's like, let's figure this out together. What are you tasting? Like, what should we let... Let's do this to the coffee and let's we'll see how it impacts it. So then he brought it down to seventeen. We tasted it. Matthew turned to me and he's like, Bro, if you didn't tell me this was from another bag, like if this if you didn't tell me this is from the same bag of coffee, like I would have had no idea. Yeah. Like it tastes completely different. And like that's where we it clicked and was like that's what we want to provide to people. We are initially focusing on like side by side tastings of different coffee. Like, if you get different tastes with the same bag of beans, like to me, that's even cooler. It's like just to really zone in on that. And then I think through that, like what you were saying, we would love to partner with different roasters and have like a rotating event. That's what would bring people still coming through our doors and we'd be able to provide them with this experience again. And that's something like I personally would love, like going to every time there's a new offering, like you were saying. So having opened the tasting and tour room, some things I've learned is we were like, let's do it every Saturday and Sunday. This will be dope. And yeah. we'll do our first one at eight, our last tour at two. We did one weekend with that time frame, and we're like, we can't physically do that again. We cut it down to noon. Uh, we cut it down to noon. We're like, let's do it Saturday, Sunday till noon. And then yeah. six weekends in a row and Jeff turns to me, he's, uh, he's like, hey, I haven't had a day off. I've been working seven days a week for the past six weeks. And oh, I was yeah. like, yeah, we need to change this. And yeah. so now we're down to Saturday. And the, th- the thing about our experience is that it doesn't really need to make money for it to continue mm-hmm. as long right. as we can break even. Uh, yeah. And so on its own, if we cut back the hours, that's fine. But in order for you to grow or generate more revenue or pick up more customers, you, you need to be able to expand on yep. that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that could address the issue. And again, this is just spitballing off the top of my head here. Take everything I say with a grain of salt. I'm like a former beer salesman at started a coffee company, just whatever. But one thing you could do is how do you get it so that there's an educational component mm-hmm. that caters to everybody who comes through? Mm-hmm. The coffee nerd, mm-hmm. quite frankly, does not want to sit through the full educational piece. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. But if it's completely based around that, 
what you're going to find is you're going to get groups of people with high-end coffee nerds that they get the shot of espresso, completely ignore what's going on here, (laughs) are smelling it, tasting it, probably have a notebook, probably writing down tasting notes, completely ignoring what's going on, which is fine, but if you've got somebody that's a brand new coffee drinker and they look over and see this person ignoring your expert, they might go... Oh, is this person not worth listening to? Yeah. And you, especially if you're going to have repeat customers, because mm-hmm. I would come back for every roaster you do. Yeah. I would, you know, again, I'm overly nice. So I would be, <laughs> I'd be doing the Minnesota thing where I'm nodding and not listening. I'm just thinking in my own head. But over time, as you get repeat guests, even new coffee people are going to learn about everything. And so mm-hmm. how do you do it in a way that caters to the people that already have right. learned and know, but right. also provide enough education for someone that's new? One potential where you wouldn't be tied to time, because that's where I start to get uncomfortable, is in order for growth to happen, is that you're, time, uh, you're tied to a time constraint, right. because then the only way to grow is you both are spending way more of your time, right. or you run into the thing of like, well, we can't do an experience Monday through Friday yep. to, uh, reasonably, uh, so it's probably a Saturday, Sunday thing, maybe Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is there a way to, uh, if you've probably been to a shop that has any sort of like a board that you get your coffee on a board with an informational right. card. Yep. Yep. So maybe you do something like that, mm-hmm. but with such an intense focus on espresso that it's different. Because right. if you were to do, if I were to go to a place that had an espresso flight where I could get four espressos and it had all the information about each espresso, right. you could even cater it to like, hey, how much do you know about espresso? Scale yeah. of one to 10. Okay, yeah. here's our newbie card. This yeah. is like, what is espresso? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got start to get repeat customers. You go, hey, I know you. Yeah. Check, like, here's the card about like how we dial it in. Yeah. Grams in, so, you know, second, uh, grams of coffee, seconds yeah. in, weighed out, all that yeah. stuff that people want to know. Yep. Yep. That could be a potential way that you're not limited to eight people for every 15 minutes. How long do you plan on having like each experience be at this Say point? About an hour to an hour and a half. And so that if you have eight people per hour, hour and a half, you're going to start to have to command a price that's going to be pretty dang expensive. Oh, yeah. And if you think of kind of the a bell curve of returning on investment, if you're trying to land right in the middle there of the perfection between the number of customers and the price you're charging to maximize your revenue without... You know, having you're limited by time. You can't just continue going because it is a caffeinated beverage. You might find the balance of education and excitement somewhere where you're not tied down to a full, full experience like that. And you could have that type of offering be once a quarter or once a month. So for someone that's like, I want to sit down with this expert barista and dig into each coffee and learn those people exist. They're pretty far and few between, Yeah, but those people will pay that premium. And so you can still capture that customer and grow their excitement and have this offering. Yeah, That also gives you a longer time to promote those events. Cause I will tell you straight up trying to promote something like that every single weekend, you're going to run through everybody in the twin cities, Minnesota (laughs) that is like willing to pay for an experience like that. Mm -hmm. So is there a potential way Mm -hmm. that you can efficiently serve three or four espressos, so you're different from other cafes, do it in a way that you've got a board with information on it, have additional cards or even just video links. People are getting used to QR codes this day that like, hey, here's all the videos related to this week's so that you continue the experience. Yep. And I think people would understand that if it's a fair price, like I'm getting a essentially guided experience as I drink it. Yeah. But like I didn't have to pay an insane price. Right. 
And also, I'm not limited to eight people every hour, hour and a half. Right, right. Yeah. And so that's kind because to, to be quite frank, the, the pricing we do for our tasting and tour room is like, I want to pay my people really well mm-hmm. and I want to break even. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. Absolutely. And so if this was my alone business, I wouldn't be paying rent right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and so that's kind of a factor that I would um, personally be worried about is that where do you find the people, especially because it's going to be geographically located. If this is yep. something that is a kit you send out, that's a little different because it's yep. easier to find these people that are on the, the far end of the coffee yep. nerddom across the country. <laughs> but on a local level, mm-hmm. the depth of that pool, I could I probably know all of them (laughs) legitimately. And so that would be a potential solution. And the the thing I would consider is like, think of a bell curve of like the, the cost and the experience, like how in depth, if you kind of create a range of the educational experience is how in depth and intense and personal does that experience have to be versus what can we charge for something like that? So I think what you're talking about right now is the far end of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, Yep. I mean, I would probably do it. I'd probably do it once yeah. because like yeah. the spend on that is would have to be pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, it's kind of like I, I probably personally couldn't justify continuing to spend it. Oh, and I'm absolutely yeah. obsessed. Yeah. Uh, someone like Jeff might convince me to continue to pay for it as a business write off. <laughs> but that's because I'm easily flexible when it comes to coffee stuff. But if even I am going to question oh, absolutely. Uh, the second visit, it's probably overly intense the mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just, I, I don't, I don't even know if you, do you know how much you would have to charge for like that kind of experience? Honestly, based on the expense analysis we've been doing so far around 30 bucks person. And that's, that's not bad, but I will just tell you that it's probably not enough yeah. for this to be a sustainable and to grow, b- to yeah. grow. It's, pro- it's probably not enough to be able to turn this into a sustainable long-term business. Right. And that is a difficult thing in starting a business is you're like, well, I don't want to overcharge because I want to find customers. I would rather yeah. have customers and not be making money. Right. But then all of a sudden you've got an established price that if you try to inch upwards, yep. customers are like, Hey, right. yep. this isn't what you charged previously. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so if anything, I would try to start at something that's a much more reasonable price at a margin and a profitability standpoint that will work really well right. and later have to shift and say, yeah. Hey, we need a more intimate experience. Right. But then what you're doing is you give people the option is right. if you still wanted to do this intense hour long, you know, 30, 40, $50 experience, yep. it's available. Yeah. But most people, myself included, but even just casual coffee drinkers that don't really know anything about espresso, mm-hmm. the opportunity to taste four by side, four side by side, right up alone mm-hmm. yeah. is is a value proposition, which is yeah. what you're looking for. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then every layer you can add into that of creating experience without having to be tied to physical time. Mm-hmm. Is that a th- physical time? That- <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we get what I'd you mean. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a made up concept, so I don't know if that makes sense. But if, if you're not tied to an actual standard of time, yeah, by growing, yep, that is those are the things I would focus on. So mm-hmm. instead of having to pay someone that's a because here's the other side baristas are an interesting breed of people Mm -hmm. barnaby's a rare bird in the sense that (laughs) he is a very talented barista and also a very good presenter absolutely uh it's a lot of people i found that people that love dialing an espresso don't like talking to people they're like (laughs) i love espresso because i can focus on this one thing and not Mm. have to talk to people Mm. and so trying to find someone that can dial in the espresso incredibly well and want to do back to back to back to back one hour presentations. Yeah. That would be incredibly challenging. So instead 
can we pay that person a one-time premium to, hey, can you be in our video? Can we hire a professional production company to film a video of this person dialing an espresso Mm -hmm. every time we change roasters? Yeah. And then, do you know how much easier it would be to get roasters? One, they're already going to want to do it. But you go to them and be like, here's the whole setup. Absolutely. It is a professionally produced thing about four of your coffees being pulled as espresso. Yeah. You're welcome to use that in any way you want. Yeah. And then me as a user coming down and drink this espresso and have a video guiding me through that tasting, I think would be just as valuable because if I'm that person that wants the in-depth educational thing, I just will never hit pause on that video. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm somebody that's like, I kind of know everything about espresso. It's it's not me, but like, eh, you know, Jeff, maybe not even Jeff, but like Donna in our tasting room is insane at espresso. (laughs) Maybe she'd be like, I don't need to hear how to dial an espresso. I've done this thousands and thousands of times. You can focus on the card or just skip through the video just to, you know, you could highlight, I think you can do that on YouTube, like highlight, here's a tasting notes of each one, if yep. that's all you want. Yep. And that would give more flexibility to the user to kind of create an experience yeah. that they want. Absolutely. And I think roasters would be very, very apt to promote that. They'd be yeah. using your video that has your branding yeah. on yep. it. It would have your handles, your yep. website, yep. and yet you'd be getting other people to share it because of the value that would mm-hmm. add. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the question I'd have is like, how do, logistically, how do we bring that to fruition in the marketplace? Like, how do we approach a coffee shop because like we're probably not going to go out and lease our own place right now um okay here's where i'm getting pumped up here okay (laughs) let's do it (laughs) okay i'm getting excited about this so pop-ups obviously are becoming more and more culturally acceptable with (laughs) covid and even before that pop-ups were exciting yes uh renting time on machine would probably be not terribly difficult i think the ideal scenario you'd have your own mobile espresso unit like we have it's expensive up front but once you have it you've got a machine that you're familiar with and you can bring it to wherever yeah um that would be the ideal scenario but in the short term if you go to a shop and be like hey can we take this over but they probably wouldn't want to give up their prime time hours yeah, of yeah. Saturday, Sunday. So that does get difficult. Um, the pop-up thing would be probably the best short-term scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we have our espresso machine that we're not using while it's closed for COVID right now. That's mm-hmm. not a long-term thing, but hey, are there opportunities of places that aren't currently open to the yeah. public or yeah. is there a way to do that? That I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably your biggest expenditure challenge in terms of upfront spend. You'd probably have to invest in a mobile coffee unit. Yep. That would also increase the impact of your videos. If it had like a consistent branding and unit, it would make it look really legit. That's the biggest challenge. And I think you'd have to go mobile coffee unit, find a cafe that would be crazy enough to let you use it during prime time hours. Yep. Mm -hmm. Or yeah, that I don't know. Yeah. Um, and that would probably require pulling a few strings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, on the other side, and there are mobile coffee companies that if you said, hey, can we rent your machine only? Do yeah. you have weekends that you're free? Yeah. They'll do that when they're not booked up, but those things get booked up like crazy. Right. And there's going to be a thousand weddings next year. So you probably oh, won't be able to hold sure. that. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. I'm like, I'm on a tangent here. Cause I'm like, God, there's gotta be something I'm not thinking of, but that's, that, that is, that, that's a tough thing about espresso is you are yeah, tied yeah. to a high quality yep. espresso machine. Right. There's lots of components that go into yep. that. Yeah. Um, shoot. Where was I going? Oh, okay. Here's where it gets interesting. <laughs> okay. How do we tie ourselves further away from physical guided experience where you're in person? Yeah. Yeah. If you can build a platform and a following behind espresso nerds, Mm. you pay or I would recommend getting because what you're lacking right now is somebody within the business that is like espresso 
everything. Yeah. I need to know the <laughs> ins and outs of espresso. Yeah. I think it would be beneficial to bring in someone, whether you're giving them equity or whether you're paying them handsomely for to be that person. Mm -hmm. Because without an expert on board, I would see you guys producing videos and telling me about espresso and no offense, but I'd be like, (laughs) who are these guys telling me about espresso? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I do that at Folly. That's why I, Jeff does all the coffee stuff because he, he lapped me so fast in my coffee knowledge that I was like, I'm not going to, I I know a hell of a lot, but this guy is making me look like I just started, (laughs) which I kind of did, but. Um, <laughs> if you could build a following of espresso nerds, then you could have this super unique social media platform where all your content is focused on single origin espresso, mm-hmm. dialing in espresso, roasting espresso. And then you could have another opportunity on your website, on a yep. YouTube channel, on TikTok, on Instagram of having short form videos about dialing espresso, because I think it's something that a lot of baristas hear about. And you don't really get hands-on experience until you're in a shop. And even when you're in a shop, you have to work there for months and months before they let you even try to dial an espresso. Yeah. So you could build this business into another thing where it's like an educational platform too. Yeah, absolutely. And then guess what? If you build this educational platform, people are going to want to come taste espresso from the single origin espresso like experts. Yeah. And here's where my bias might come into play as a wholesale roaster. I would keep the focus there. I would continue to rotate roasters and highlight different roasters. Mm -hmm. That way, roasting is never even a part of the conversation. Your business, really what it is, is espresso. Yeah. Yeah. The the dialing in of espresso, drinking espresso. It's not the roasting of espresso because that is its own topic. Absolutely. And then if you have rotating guest roasters, every time you have a new roaster, interview of what's your approach to roasting an espresso blend versus yep. single origin. Yep. What's your approach to this? And that would be really cool because yeah. that's the type of content people would want to consume. And yeah. it could, you have to, even within the niche of specialty coffee, mm-hmm. you might, oh, yeah. I might sound crazy to say that's not niche enough anymore. Right. But if you were the people within single origin, mm-hmm. all these guys are doing is intensely studying the act of making espresso. Right. That would be really, really cool. Yeah. And then you could bring in guests and then it's not just one person. It's like, hey, here's a platform. Yeah. It's almost like um, it's a terrible comparison, but like hot ones, like yeah. it's kind of about the chicken wings. But the right. way the way that platform grew is like the guests they got were yep. so good. Yeah. That, like I go to watch a celebrity and then all of a sudden I'm watching all those videos. So if you're able to find like these guests and bring in really legit people to film videos with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah can be totally on their schedule it can be done remotely yep. you can find a production company in their area yep. have and t- just hey we're gonna pay someone to come in and film you pulling espresso here's all the questions we need to do and we have a a way that you do it yeah yeah i'm getting overly excited about this right <laughs> yeah now. but do you see what i'm saying absolutely yeah, i see what you're saying um unlike the ground level how how do we stay true to pulling a good shot of espresso well, they're able to taste them side by side. A lot of the feedback we've gotten from professionals has been like, hey, like a, a tasting flight would be awesome for espresso, something that's never been done. But how can you, you'd have to have different grinders and have each one dialed in already. Like espresso goes bad if it sits for more than 30 seconds. You'd have to have like a insane multi-head espresso machine. Yeah. How, how do you like stay true to your product while doing this. That's the ultimate logistical challenge of 
being able to do this in a shop yeah. because they are factoring in time. Yep. They have to be in and out that door like this. Yep. Someone who's showing up to do this, time is less of a factor. It's not why they're there. It shouldn't be the number one concern of how fast can we do it. Obviously, mm-hmm. it needs to be a reasonable wait time, but if you can find, I mean, like a four group head espresso machine would obviously be ideal. And then probably at least two grinders. Uh, but you can pre-dose espresso beans to be able to be at the size dialed into each group head and you can individually grind those through the espresso machine. Obviously grind size is a factor in dialing an espresso. And so part of this is like, you'd have to take slight, uh, like slight, I guess, uh, concessions for the perfection of each one. But I think even me going up and seeing, oh, they only have two grinders, but they're pulling four shots. I'd be like, it's worth it for me to be able to taste four espressos, knowing yeah. that they're working with two grind size. Yeah. And the like the number of espressos, I think, is more important than is each one perfect. Because people are just coming in to taste the differences between yep. the coffees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you'll probably be pouring some shots that like aren't ideal as espresso. Mm-hmm. There are some coffees that just don't pour great as espresso, yeah. but you still want to use those because yeah. it's like, Here's how this tastes. Here's yeah. how, here's why we wouldn't probably serve this in a cafe. Absolutely, yeah. But I still would want to taste that. Yeah. Um, and so it's like what I would literally do is like have a like a notebook in front of you and create like what are we doing the most different? Mm-hmm. And I would list that all the way to, to how are we no different than a cafe or yep. what anybody else is doing. Yep. Yeah. And the things at the top of the list, that's where you lean into it. And so if number, uh, uh, the ability to taste multiple different espressos side by side is the number one, right. that should always be the priority. Right. If number two is that these are very, very well-prepared espresso shots. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? If that was your number one priority, you might yeah. say we have to have two shots because that's the most we can do and yep. have them both be perfect. Yep. But if the number of espresso shots is more yeah. important, totally. then you go, well, let's concede a little bit on just grind size, have two grinders doing pre-dosed, single pre-dosed shots. Mm-hmm. And that, we hope people understand that it's like, yeah. obviously, but we're doing this so different that it's going to be a little bit different. Right. And then maybe over time, if this turns into a thing, you're like, let's let's have four grinders. You yeah. know, yeah. Like, uh, it could get to the point that like the opportunity to grow as a social platform in some ways, you could do it quicker, faster, have a broader yeah. reach. Mm-hmm. And then this is just like the experience side of it. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have this because right. that's the ultimate thing. So it brings people in. Yeah. And so I'm almost talking about an entirely separate business here, but you yeah. could see how it'd be really easy for them to feed each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just like, it's the ultimate way of promoting while creating an educational platform and then yep. being able to use it as people are tasting espresso. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sorry, I like kind of went off on a whole tangent on the digital side, but yeah. th- this side's very interesting intriguing to me because like you see someone like uh obviously like james hoffman yeah and you go well you know he's a world barista championship of course people are going to listen to what he's saying but if you created a platform that i can't think of a lot of people that you said hey if i hired a film crew which at this point you can do pretty affordably yeah if we hire someone in your area to come into your shop Mm -hmm. in off hours and film you saying these things about your espresso yeah and then you're welcome to use that content in any way we yeah. just ask that we can use it for and then we're also going to serve your coffee at our concept for yeah. yeah uh for one month for two months whatever yeah. it may be i don't know a lot of people that would say no to that you'd be able to get people and like 
really legitimate coffee professionals to be talking on these different things. Mm -hmm. And then that's going to drive people to want to come to your physical location, but it's also going to want to drive people to come to your platform about education. And then when you tell people we're the leaders in education, you're not saying you two are because I'll see, I'll see it. Yeah. I'll see in 15. (laughs) If you want to spend the next 15 years just learning, (laughs) but you can say your company are the leaders in single origin espresso education. Yeah. And that I think would be really compelling. Mm-hmm, um, and so I'm sorry if I took this and ran within a totally different direction. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. That's great. But where I look at it, I get very uncomfortable when I'm tied to time. Yeah. Any yep. new decision I make in my business, I yeah. go, the podcast, I'm tied to it with time, but I yeah. love doing this. So mm-hmm. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Any other decision that I make, I'm trying to do the opposite. I go, how can I cut that tie yep. of having to be somewhere, having to do something right. more to grow? Yep. And that's like, obviously, when you think of like natural expansion of like, hey, a bigger roaster, we can roast more coffee, we're less tied to time. That's a very obvious one. But with things like tastings or with the tasting and tour room, that's uh, that's one where I go, it's worth it for me, but it's not like we could triple the size of our tasting room and be able to do more. Totally, yeah. And so, yeah, I guess I really ran with it. And so I hope I didn't like hijack anything on that side. But Absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. I think the scary thing for us coming in, and that's why we're still like talking to people doing interviews, is like, how are we going to get this off and going? How are we going to scale it? How are we going to grow it? How are we going to even do an in-person experience in the midst of COVID? Like, we we have all these constraints and all these risks, like time, a professional barista, um, the marketing side of it, um, keeping getting roasters as partners like that there were so many risks looking at it um and we don't want to be spending six seven hours of our weekend just totally grinding at this um one part of our business and barely making any money off of it just trying to pay back the bank essentially so i think you took it in a direction where we can like think a lot more deeply about how can we add this how can we logistically make this work where we stay true to what we want to do with our business and we want to educate consumers. We want consumers to know like the complexity that single origin espresso can bring. We want to highlight roasters. We want to highlight farmers while taking a step back and building a platform um, to do this on. So, I mean, Matthew, I'd love to like hear what you're thinking, but I, I appreciate where there's conversation, where the conversation has gone. Yeah, I totally, I totally appreciate like these ideas because this is completely out of the realm of anything we've really thought of which is great i think at this stage like we want to consider every option and before we move forward because at this point we haven't spent any money really which is which is the best time to really ideate and feel like okay what direction specifically do we want to go before it's like too late to change <laughs> it's never too late trust me. <laughs> we're making a hot sauce like you can do it <laughs> um but yeah like i think that's like super I think the idea of doing it, building an online platform and creating something that's like not restricted, like you said, like by time, I think is great. I think that's exactly like the kind of way that we should be thinking about future proofing our business and actually future proofing so that it's like we're able to scale with the event that we had the MVP. It was very much like a one time event. Like it would have been very difficult to replicate because so what happened was we have connections with Corner Coffee and then we just asked Barnaby if he wanted to just help us out and be Cross the barista. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was the, like that kind of, the way that we hosted that event was not scalable at all 
it was purely like let's just test this to see if customers enjoy the experience period and for you to come to us and be like okay here is an idea to actually scale it right from the beginning i think that's something that's super valuable for us to think about and like it gets me super excited because like i have my background is more in like videography and I've been doing a lot more of that. And so that's super exciting for me to know like, oh, this is a way that I can contribute hugely to be able to go in, film people. It's funny because like just this last summer, I filmed like 40 plus training videos for like a, do you know what Polke is? Yeah. So like a Polke like shop. Oh, nice. So like all the training videos for them I like did. It was like four, more than 40 videos for them. And so it's exciting to be like, okay, like how can I transfer that skill to this, to go, to go in be like, all right, I'm going to film them dialing it in, explaining the process, educating them, and then creating a digital platform, like you said, to engage customers and to drive traffic both online as well as like to a brick and mortar, like pop up. And then this is where you can start to save costs is I wouldn't even say it necessarily has to be you filming it because Mm -hmm. By going digital, you're no longer geographically constrained to the platform. Yeah. And so you no longer have to just use Minnesota Coffee Roasters so that you're promoting to try to get people to come into yeah. the event. Yeah. Uh, what you could do is because of your knowledge of videography, yeah. you know what to look for in someone who's shooting it. So yep. you can give them the specs of here's yep. how it needs to be shot. Here's yep. the frame to use. Yep. Here's the lens to use. Yep. Here's the feel we want. Yep. Here's the past videos. Mm-hmm. You do the editing so that they all yeah. feel the same exactly. and that there's a consistency yep. to it. Uh, but then you're not limited to, hey, I'm just going to find all the best roasters in Minnesota mm-hmm. because very quickly you'll realize you've you've met everyone. <laughs> what you can do is who are the best roasters in the country right. and can we pitch this to them, serve yep. their coffee, and yep. then on the other side – is your website could end up becoming like an affiliate marketing platform yeah. for single origin espresso. Yeah. yeah. And you found this niche within coffee yeah. that the the real business could end up being yeah. affiliate marketing yeah. for single origin espresso. Yeah. yeah. And you could become the authority of here and here's why it's still important that you're doing the in person thing, even if it's not in person. Now here's where it gets interesting is yeah. As long as you're pulling the shots and tasting them and you're reviewing them, or I would, again, recommend bringing someone on this team that is the expert and they're tasting it. If you had the video of the expert at their place Mm -hmm. serving shots, shot by someone else, edited by you, so it's the same feel, and then you have your expert tasting it on your end, then you've got kind of a very unique video that you can pair together. And then, by the way, here's our favorite out of the four to buy as a single origin espresso. Boom, it's on the website. And so every month you've got... X amount you're recommending. Maybe mm-hmm. it's the past three months favorite. Right, right. It's like, here's this month's favorite. Here's last month's. Here's last month's. There's only yep. three coffees. So yep. like, if I'm a coffee nerd and there's guys only focusing on single origin espresso and they're working yep. with some of the best professionals in the country, yep. all of a sudden I'm like, I'll listen to these guys about espresso. Right. Yeah. I'll buy this because they've done all the research that a coffee nerd would normally have to do to yeah. find a really good espresso. Because yeah. it's like... The amount of research Jeff, <laughs> Jeff will do before yeah. deciding which coffee, oh, like yeah. he rotates his subscriptions of different roasters and the amount of research he'll do before deciding which one to go with yeah. is like a job on its own. Yeah, <laughs> And so you could be providing the service for yeah. people and as long as your recommendations are always on point right. and you've got experts involved with it, that mm-hmm. would be really compelling. Yeah, And then the in-person thing could almost just be like, you know, your experience. Yeah. Yeah. And then the real business isn't, Oh my God, how do we make this profitable? Mm -hmm. Because 
that is an extremely difficult thing to make profitable yeah. to the point where you can sustain a healthy life and yeah. pay your workers oh, well. For sure. And so, especially if you need to find investors or anything like that, mm-hmm. you go to them and the, you go, the real business here is a digital p- educational platform, yep. hyper-focused on a growing category, right. on a growing category within a growing category. Yeah hyper-focused on that, the funds we're using are going to be used to get the best people to mm-hmm. film, to be in our content. And yep. that probably would just be hiring people to film. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the business is much more compelling on a financial side for someone to see the upside versus right. like, oh, okay, I'll do this because they're passionate. Mm-hmm. And there are some investors that just go, I, I have extra money I can yeah. use to help them support their, I'll, I'll, here's the money to buy your thing. Now I own 50% of your company versus yeah. here's an opportunity for a digital platform, right. hyper-focused on a single niche, right. uh, which with the digital world, no niche is too fine. You yep. can find anything right. yeah. on the internet right. these days. And so if someone that just is getting into single origin espresso mm-hmm. is probably Googling single origin espresso. Yep. Someone who's super into it, We'll learn about this platform because they're following all the people that are ending up on your site because yeah. you've found them to get yeah. on board with you. Yeah. And so that would be the difficulty. And you'd have to have some sort of expert that is probably pretty um, connected within the network of these yeah. people because yeah. I think once they get what you're doing, it shouldn't be, I mean, it'll still be difficult because everybody's really busy. But if you came to me and you're like, hey, can we hire a professional, uh, you know, a, a camera person? and audio person to come yeah. into your space. Yeah. You pull four shots of espresso. Yeah. Say what they are. Yeah. And then we can use that content. You can use that content. And then we'll also buy coffee from you to yeah. serve up here. And we're going to feature it on our platform. Would you yeah. be willing to do that? I'd be like, yeah. huh? <laughs> like yeah. Most, uh, most messages I get are mm-hmm. like, Hey, I'd love to collab. I go, Oh cool. What do you have in mind? <laughs> yeah. Send me free coffee and I'll post about it. I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, and I usually do it because it's like, hey, here's a person who hasn't had her coffee. At the very yeah. least, here's one more person. Hopefully they taste it and go, I haven't had something like this. But yeah. you're bringing something to them, yeah. adding value to them, yeah. and it's a win-win. It's and that's a, what we're looking for. It doesn't yeah. feel scammy. Because yeah. if you came to me and you're like, what do you? what's the catch? You go, we, and you be very transparent about that. You yeah. go, the value added to us is we want to work with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like you're a type of person that you're an industry expert. We want to work with you. Yeah. Also it's valuable to us because it helps us promote our educational platform. Right. But that is also beneficial to you because it increases your credentials as, yeah. as an educator within coffee. Right. And that type of thing is really compelling. And, um, I mean, even if I'm thinking of just like a Kickstarter, it'd be, if I saw that Kickstarter, I'd know exactly who I want to share that with. Yeah. Cause like, there's only so many people that want to go learn about single origin espresso. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's such a tight knit community mm-hmm. that it's something it's very, very hard to build credibility. Yeah. And that's what you lack. So you need to find somebody with the credibility. Yeah. And even that person's probably not going to be the end all be all. They're going to be the person that is a big enough command on espresso mm-hmm. to be a voice of like of authority. Yeah. But th- also that they might be able to connect you with the people to do it. And so that would be that would be incredibly compelling. And then it would be exciting to still have the in-person experience because you'll find people that are like, I want to go taste espresso here. And yeah, if yeah. it is a mobile thing, yeah. then maybe like, hey, when the SCA comes up, you go serve there. 
yeah. you're serving multiple different types of espresso. Hey, when different events pop up around the country, we can travel to these coffee focused events yeah. to promote what we're doing yeah. more so than we need people to right. come in right. and mm-hmm. buy this for $50 to be in here for an hour, yeah. yeah, which still is a very cool experience. But I will tell you the challenges you'll face in when you're tied to a geographic right. area, you're yep. tied to a very, very focused type of person in that one yep. area. Yep. And even I'm saying I might not come back for a second time if that's the price point. Mm-hmm. I, I try to distance from that. And oh, go, totally. Uh, yeah. And, and so the research that would have to be done is like affiliate marketing. How mm-hmm. does this work? What's yep. a reasonable price to charge for affiliate marketing? How do yep. we get the word out about that? Uh, would be like, what are the financial upside? How much of a following would you have to have on YouTube, on yeah. TikTok, on yep. Instagram for it to become financially viable as a real business? Right. Uh, th- these are the types of things that would probably end up being uh, things that you need to know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But those are actually fairly concrete. So if you go yeah. if you go to an investor mm-hmm. or you're building a business plan, you go, if we hit X amount of followers across these three platforms and we're driving yeah. X amount of traffic, here's what the business will be worth. Yeah. And that's even not considering the fact that we're selling coffee through our platform. Absolutely. And I think this plays into our skills a lot better than providing some unique experience that... Totally. Matthew and I, frankly, aren't qualified to provide. Um, Absolutely. We're more qualified to provide the overhead and take on the risk of the business. Right. But the experience itself, like, we want to leave that out to the people who devote their life and yeah. have this passion for coffee. Um, not to say we, that we don't, but... There's, there, it should be said, there's a difference between passion and knowledge. And yes. Absolutely. I think too often people, and I wrote this down at the beginning, say we want to do what we love. A lot of people say that and then they go do it and then realize everyone around me knows more than I do. Mm-hmm. And I realized this quickly. It's why I don't roast our coffee. Yeah. I became obsessed. I started roasting my own coffee and said, I'll need to do this for another 10, 5, 10 years before I'm comfortable doing both. Absolutely. Yeah. But then, which felt like almost imposter syndrome at the beginning. But then yeah. I realized this allows me to focus entirely on where the business are go- is yep. going and making sure we're doing things correctly on that front and to yeah. make sure that like, are we looking at the right customers, are we serving the right products and yeah. still get to enjoy what I love is mm-hmm. drinking coffee. Right. Um, and so when I heard you say that, it's like, it's not a red flag, but it is a warning sign. That's like doing what you love is not, can't be like the end all be all because yes. I will tell you if that's, <laughs> if you're having to work every single weekend, you will quickly learn not to love it. Yeah. I totally mean, get it. Yeah. And, um, it, but, but the, the, the things I like is what, you, like I said at the beginning, you're going out, reaching out to people. You are, have a category that's growing. You've got a niche within that category that's growing. I think the difficult, the part of your business where there's a link missing is how to find the people and how to make money off of that. Yeah. Right. And the pop-up is a very traditional way of finding people and making some money off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the amount of work that will go into that is very high. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm saying you should still do that in some capacity. Right. Uh, and, but I, I I would struggle to say that that's the end business. Absolutely. And I hope that doesn't hurt, hurt your feelings. Oh, absolutely or, totally I, I hope I'm not like oh. coming in and stomping on your idea here nope. because I still, <laughs> I would still show up to that every month. Oh yeah. Uh, and I still think there's something there and yeah. that's a great way to build connections. And that's something you could take on the road. If you could go yeah. to any country, yeah. and if you find a way to either have a mobile unit that you can yep. trailer or you find a really effective way to do it in shops, that's yeah. something you can pop around and find those mm-hmm. people. And mm-hmm. th- that could be a physical way to market what you're doing, obviously probably in a post COVID world, oh, for sure. but, um, 
this way you're kind of leaning into the digital side. Mm -hmm. You're not limited and tethered to the geographic area. You can provide value to the roasters that you're serving while also bringing something to an existing group of customers that will find value in it and focusing on a niche of dialing an espresso that people will, that our baristas will really, really focus, especially if you're finding really credible people. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and sure. so that, that's the other part of having somebody that's like a extreme coffee nerd and expert on your team is they'll be able to tell you is like, is this the type of person that yeah. we want to be paying for yeah. a produ- full production thing? Is for it going to sure. be worth yep. the time? Are they a true industry export or expert or do they just have a big following? Yeah. yeah. And those types of decisions, a lot of it's intuitive. It was like, but, but the, like even just in my head, I can think of like 10 people that was like, if I saw them doing this, I would watch Yeah, regardless sure. of who's producing it. Mm-hmm. And then it's not even important what your background is. What it's yeah. important is that your logo and your name yep. is tied to all of these things that's, that's right. happening. That's right. Yeah. And then over time you'll build a brand of like, anytime I see this, yeah. this takes a long time, but eventually it gets to the point that I don't know this person. I don't recognize this person talking right now, mm-hmm. but it's a production of this. So they must be legit. I'm going right. to listen to what they're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. And even that provides value for the person presenting, talking about their coffee, the roaster. And like, this idea is cool and it's awesome that you're approaching us with this um, on the podcast. And because like even talking to our professors, like these warning signs have been raised. Like, how are you going to continue forward? How are yeah. you going to like grow this at all? How are yeah. you going to make something happen without breaking your back every weekend? Um, and an idea that was raised was like, what about covering like a roaster's R and D cost? And they bring a new single origin espresso to you. We, test it out, taste it. And we provide that value back for them using um, Matthew's videography skills or even just like you were saying, hire a production company. Um, So this gives us a lot to think about. So (laughs) you didn't hijack this at all. We are entrepreneurs at heart. We're just here to learn. (laughs) Yeah. And you're in the industry. You're doing um, what we hope to be doing with Espresso. So this has been just a great opportunity to sit here and learn and take it all in. And yeah, appreciate your time so much. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And that's, it's, it, it makes the pitch easier too. And that's what I like about honing any ideas and is like, can mm-hmm. I, cause the, the pitch at the beginning, I'm like, it took me like five minutes to kind of figure out that it's like, okay, so it's like a pop-up concept. Yep, that's right. this, yep. whereas this you go, we're creating an educational platform, hyper-focused on the niche of single origin specialty coffee. That's yeah. going to have digital and physical components to right. it, to be able to drive yeah. the expertise and the brand of what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and e- no, there are roasters out there that that don't even really establish roasters don't have the time resources energy oh, to sure be not. able to hyper focus like this mm-hmm. yeah and so the value you could add to them would be awesome and then at, if you can build a brand behind this eventually it's going to be like people are going to be asking you can i be next yeah mm-hmm. and then you should have like a very upfront set of standards is here's right. how we decide who we work with because right. that yeah that will also be something that if yep. you need an expert because if you say yes to everyone and you're talking about espresso and a roaster that mm-hmm. is just not that good. Totally. And you're not even aware that it's not that great. Yep. Credibility is gone like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and so the upfront spend of like mm-hmm. getting good people, mm-hmm. hopefully the spend's not too high and just the way it's laid out. But, and there's lots of different ways to take it and how do we get people to engage with this? But uh, th- that's kind of the big thing is I, you're, you as a videographer, mm-hmm. you as an entrepreneur, when you're approaching these people, that's your value add. Yeah. I say that's the only, that's the only value like I have within Folly is that I'm 
like in between that I'm obsessed with coffee, but I also love the business that I'm fascinated right, yeah, by it for sure. And so like, that's my in between there. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. you've got two people you can yeah. totally focus on different aspects of the yeah, business. Sure. Um, and, and that, that way you can go and tell them like, Hey, I pick out who does the shooting. Yep. I do the editing. Here's yep. my previous work. Yep. Um, cause I get people that are like, Hey, we'll film a free video for you. And I, I say no, cause I just feel bad. Oh, for sure. Cause I go, you're expecting me to hire you later. Yeah. But yep. if you went to them and go, we want to film the content to use on our educational platform. They go, yep. okay, I don't feel bad that this person's working for free. Yeah. And they go, and I'm, it's a win-win. It's right, a, it's, right. a tr- it's a truly, tra- it's a transaction. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, mm-hmm. what's your real end goal here? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. What are you for hiding? Sure. So I feel like yeah. I talked my absolute head off here, but, <laughs> uh, I think that's a good sign because oh, yeah. if I, so good. I talk a lot. And so if I, <laughs> but when I get, exci- when I get excited about something, I think you, you're on the right path of the focus of the why is right. And then the how is the yeah, big question. For sure. And that's what we're trying to figure it out. So like this conversation has cleared so much in my head and so I'm much. just, I'm sure Matthew's feeling the same. Our thoughts are just racing and we're yeah. going to get in the car and just try to hash this out. Um, you're probably feeling a fair amount of anxiety right now. <laughs> <laughs> Anxiety is a good thing. I keep, hey, I keep repeating. There. I keep repeating myself <laughs> on this because anytime I have a conversation with someone that gets my wheels turning, yeah. I feel intense anxiety because it's like, wait, why haven't I been doing this? Like, <laughs> is there someone yeah. else out there that's got a better right. idea than this guy? Like, yep. should I? Oh my gosh, do I do I start doing this? Do I yeah. go find mm-hmm. more people to work on this idea with? Yeah. And but that's what you want to have versus yeah. like an idea that every time you tell someone they kind of have a few, like not even a few, but like a list of reasons. Like, eh, right. here's yeah. why I wouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. What you want is you tell people about their idea and then they go oh okay yep, yep. That, that, that that's interesting yeah <laughs> and that's what we're looking for cool any thoughts matthew no i'm i'm super excited i thank you so much for all the advice like for us like like we just want to be as teachable as possible too like we want to be flexible and we don't want to be married to an idea that's like this is what we have to do and we like i'm not going to listen to anyone else like I think you have to, as an entrepreneur, you, you have to be flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a certain level of like stubbornness you need to have that I'm going to make this idea work. But I think you also need to be able to be like, okay, this needs to pivot. It's just not going to work. Yeah. And I think for you to say like managing your time is the most important re- resource to do and the thing to do. I think that's like hugely great advice. And yeah, I'm just super thankful and appreciative of like you being so open to just share ideas with us and ideate with us and yeah i think it's been great yeah and like the people in the industry that we've talked to have been like oh have you talked to folly yet if you talked to rob <laughs> or jeff and like what you're doing is right down in his alley he like we know the coffee but rob knows the business side yeah. of things too well, they're probably full of crap but um, <laughs> <laughs> i'd have to argue with that and it's funny because the the term entrepreneur generally makes me shudder a lot until mm. Johan over at Wesley Andrews put it in a way that like made me very comfortable with the idea because yeah. going into this, I get really excited about business, but like I, I would never bring that up. Cause I'm like, oh, I don't, I still want people to know that I'm like a huge coffee nerd, but yep. <laughs> he said it in a way that the, it, and I'm very roughly translating it because this is years ago. And he said the entrepreneur's job is to bring the artisans product and story to the people. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what you would be doing. Right. Yeah. And then the responsibility of having to become experts is taken off your shoulders. Yep. The responsibility of having to be experts on tasting and dialing yeah. espresso is taken off your shoulders. That's right. The responsibility of being tied to these 
time intensive things is taken yeah. off your shoulders. Yeah. Uh, and then you're bringing people's story and their products mm -hmm. and recommendations mm -hmm. to them. And yeah. like the value add there is you're doing intense research right. just to make sure that what you're serving and talking about is a really, really good single origin espresso, right. yeah. which is dope. Yeah. And that's our goal. Like we aren't in this to make millions of dollars. We <laughs> don't even think we're going to make money yeah. um, at least for <laughs> a while, but what we want to do is we want to provide our customers with value and we want to make enough money to keep it going in order to provide them with more value and to educate them and to just help bring light to what we're figuring out through talking to um, different entrepreneurs and different experts in the industry. So this is right up our alley yeah. and that's what we're trying to do. And like Matt said, we just want to be as teachable as possible and we want to figure out how can we do this in the most efficient manner because yeah. that's that's the other side about affiliate marketing that is awesome is all you'd be doing is your resource to drive traffic to yep. someone's yeah. product and yeah. then you're not even in charge of order fulfillment mm -hmm. you're not in charge of the that's roasting right. you're not in charge of quality control right. if it's like obviously quality is like you'd only be working with roasters that mm -hmm. have all that in place mm -hmm. but all of that being out of the realm of what you're doing is extremely beneficial because yeah. when you talk about not making money when i started folly i had to quit my full-time job i had to yeah. start working four gigs and building this out on the side yeah and then there was a certain point where even if i financially wasn't ready to do it yeah. i had to quit because the time was too much yep. yeah. and again i'm pursuing the passion where that's i'm speaking from experience here that's <laughs> just doing what you love is not always the best thing for a good life for like four oh, or five totally. years absolutely but what you're doing there is you could legitimately have a full-time job mm -hmm. especially with two of you mm -hmm. and make sure that like as long as you have a really good rhythm of yeah. making sure that like you're creating great content and yep. you've got uh, that's the other side is like the rhythm of how often is it coming out yep. customers are and, and consumers of content are very uh intuitive to that right that if you're do it on a consistent schedule mm -hmm. like people will start to follow regardless. Absolutely, yep. Like this podcast is so surprising to me that anyone listens to this, but it's like the biggest thing is that I just keep doing it yeah, and yeah. I post it every Sunday. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and and that's that's kind of a big lesson I've learned from this. But um, yeah, awesome to have you both in. I'm excited to see where this goes. I think you've got, uh, I think you've got a great category, a niche within a category of very passionate consumers, mm -hmm. people who are consuming any sort of educational component they yeah, can. For sure. uh, and yeah, you could do it in a way that's like multifaceted with the physical serving of it, with the digital side. Yeah. And then, but the digital side, you can really start to imagine the growth possibilities right. of pitching this as a business. Yeah. Because the monetization value of these platforms is like highly visible. Yeah. So yeah. you can do research of like, if we get a following of X, Y, and Z on these platforms with an engagement level of this, yeah. here's our profitability, Yeah, which I'm not doing at all. And it's kind of the thing that I was like <laughs> in my, in the back of my mind, I was like, it's not, that's not so much my, I love, I love creating content. I love doing it's fun but it's not my passion for sure. If it was like, if I was obsessed with that more than coffee, <laughs> this is probably what I would be doing is yeah. like some sort of sure. educational platform because yeah. of that. But I'm like, yeah. I'm doing what I love. And it's like, it's a grind, yeah. which is stupid pun, but uh, <laughs> love it. But what the advantage you have is that yeah. you're at this point. I ironically just released a episode about launching new products mm. that the advantage you have is that you're not tied to one type of product. Right. Yeah. I was, it's, single origin specialty coffee. And I was like, okay, mm -hmm. it is in a great category, which made me decide to quit my job and do it. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, I was like, this is what we're doing regardless yeah. because it's what I want to do. Right. What you're, you have the flexibility right now to like all these thoughts you're having about the backbreaking yeah. work. Yep. You're not tied to it yet. Yeah. yeah. And even if Absolutely. you started doing that, you're still not tied to yeah. it. Yeah. Which would be, I think exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It'd be super exciting. 
Well, yeah, we really appreciate your time, Rob. Thank and you so much. Like all of your help and just bring clarity to a really messy idea. (laughs) No, for sure. No, I love it. It's awesome. Uh, I I think uh, there's a lot of different ways to go with it, which is really stressful, but it's exciting. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Thanks for coming in. I'm going to end it like I do every episode and say, have a nice day.